Life is full of misery, loneliness, and suffering. And it's all over much too soon. Woody Allen. Hello and welcome to the Ducks Never Waver Lunch Break, where you get food for thought and can rejuvenate to sally forth. He's Edwin, the brother. She's Megan, the sister. And today, we are interviewing Miss Megan. Miss Megan, welcome to the show. Why, thank you so much. Why are we interviewing you? Uh... Because you have chronic pain symptoms, chronic pain disease, institute. You're, you're, you're done. That is correct. What, what do you have? I have a I have a list of things, but the 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 main the main things are um, fibromyalgia, endometriosis, and recurring mono. Sounds like a smorgasbord, really. And we're just gonna go through some quick questions, go off on tangents today, have some fun, some laughs, some giggles, some tears. You know, basically, I laughed, I cried, it became a part of me. The whole gambit. But yes, the whole gambit, indeed. So, first question for you. What is the most frequent slash annoying thing you are asked? I have a couple. Um, the the first the first one is probably uh, like, are you actually in pain all of the time? When I say I have chronic pain, hmm. it, it's so, and I'm like, yeah, that's that's how it goes. You always you always have a baseline of pain. Um, it's it's more likely, yeah. It is I I can't even remember the last time I I had a day where I didn't feel any pain. There's been moments, but there's always that baseline of pain, and it it goes up and down. Um, but it it's yeah it's always there. So when I say I'm in chronic pain, yes, me talking to you right now, I am in pain doesn't mean I, I can't function to some extent. <laughs> um, the other one, and I, this is seems so weird to me, but I've had a surprising, a surprising amount of people ask me this is, have you tried the Jordan Peterson diet? I've had so many people ask me that and I don't, I try to be very kind and the thing is, is that I don't, I don't find it rude that people ask me like, have you tried this? Have you tried that? Because a lot of what I know now and a lot of things that have been helpful for me, I've learned through word of mouth. And that's why I'm talking about it now. Because I want to help people who are going through it or are like, oh, I think I might have chronic pain. I want to have this conversation with my doctor. That's why I'm doing this. But the amount of people who have said, like, have you tried this extreme diet where you only eat grass-fed, high-quality beef for the rest of your life? Salt, water, beef. That's all you have. And in my head, I always think, well, if you do it with me and you fund it, sure, I'll do it. Just watch me. Uh, but first of all, I don't know. Like Their, their condition is different than mine. So it's I, I can't say that this is going to universally help. I don't really know what's going on in their health. Like that, if that's what th helps them, great. But I'm not willing to give up all of the foods, and also just the the social times. So like food is very communal, and for me to just say nope, I'm going to eat the same thing all the time, 
not going to do that. So yeah, that one always surprises me how many times I've had that one. So that one's kind of annoying. Um, and the, I'm pretty sure I asked you that once. You did, but you're not the only one. That was surprising. <laughs> I'm like, you I can smack, but like other people, I'm like, really? This is a thing? The, the, the last one. And There's three of them? I don't know. I changed my mind. I can, I can talk about this one later. No, go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. It's on no, your the, mind. the last one is, is how you doing as the typical American greeting. Like, hey, Megan, how you doing? And I never know how to answer that one because I don't know if they want the, you know, regular, I'm good, I'm fine. Or if they're actually asking how I'm doing. And so that one's hard for me, especially like, are they doing it as a conversation starter or are they doing it just because that's the knee jerk reaction? I would much prefer people to say, hi, Megan, it's nice to see you. That would be a lot easier for me because there's days that I show up for things that I'm not doing well, but you show up anyways. But then to hear like, how you doing? I'm like, uh, I'm not good, <laughs> but I don't want to say that to people. I'm done. <laughs> All right, so that brings us to our next question. Is like, what do you wish people would ask you? Yeah, I, I wish that people would... Well, well, I would say people would be honest, like, how are you doing physically? Like, how are you doing with the disease? Or just, like, how are you doing with your life? Like, just be more specific in that way, so I kind of know where they want the conversation to go. Because I don't want to bore people with all the things that are going on physically if they're not interested or you know or I try to keep it short no matter what but I yeah I don't want to bore people with that and my life is more complex than just my disease right uh I wish people would say like what are you watching right now or what are you designing or what are you you know that sort of stuff like what are you looking forward to that sort of things because someone with chronic pain I watch a lot of shows because there's a lot of times where that's the only way to get through the pain or just like that's me resting and that's a full-time job too. So yeah, ask me. I've, I've seen a, a fair number of things. So that would be a good question. So kind of like a, a what are you up to? Like more like what are you doing? I think that's maybe a better conversation starter than, than most of those questions. Cause, yeah. Because I think part of like, like who we are is like what we're doing, what we're doing in our spare time, what we're doing at work, all those things. Yeah, but it gets it gets complicated because I don't have a full-time job in the typical sense, right? So my body is, is at this point basically a full-time job. So it can be hard when it's like, oh, you've been busy. And I'm like, I have been, but not in the way that you think I've been. Like not, right. in, the, not in the way that you are busy. I have been busy binging on some Amazon shows here. Pretty much. And it, it's like, okay, that's my life right now. And it's so, yeah, asking me about, you know, what I'm looking forward to, what I'm watching right now, that sort of stuff. Like, and just specific stuff in general. But I think that's for any conversation. Mm -hmm. Don't be blase, people. <laughs> so how do you stay inspired slash motivated slash disciplined? All those things. Well, I'll I'll say I'm not this all the time. I think that's for a lot of like a lot of things like you know when it's like oh how are you disciplined? I'm like I'm not all the time. But I find that 
art has really become such a source of inspiration, which, like you phrase the question, leads to motivation and self-discipline. That when I fall off the rails, in a flare, depressed, symptoms or whatever, um, I have I have a group of movies um, that I will watch, and that really helps. Like they're just very powerful. Uh, books too, to a lesser extent, because I have some issues reading, um, with the, the understand, like just the cognition, I get headaches from reading, but yeah, and making things, I think just like fun, fun things, pursuing that, but it's mostly, it's mostly art, mostly movies, um, and also just digging deeper, like I love learning about the human body, and all its amazing facets, its connections, and something that's very helpful for me to keep motivated is every once in a while getting a new cookbook because I have a, you know, have to eat healthy and have more of an auto, autoimmune friendly diet. So those little things help you. And then just the discipline. Yeah, that's hard to say how you grow in discipline. Um, just practice setting priorities and yeah, I don't know. I think the shift for me has been that I take my, my health as a full-time job. So then I have to do the, the therapies. I have to go to the doctor. I have to take my medicine. But it's also started for me for a very long time. So to give a clear answer of how I've grown it, it's not an overnight thing because I've been dealing with chronic pain for about five years but before that there's other symptoms and when I was five years old I had an asthma attack so from five years old till now basically I've been on medication of some sort or another where I had to be take responsibility at five years old I was in charge of taking my own medicine and remembering it and doing all of it so that that kind of habit and just being yeah the the getting to bed on time I don't know that was kind of a rambly answer. I I think that it's a rambly question that that deserves a rambling answer. It it's all things and you said uh, you 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 look at art so and and then you also mentioned movies. So first question is what are some of your core movies to to look at? Core movies. Um, I love Terrence Malick movies. Uh, Tree of Life is really amazing. If you're not, like, if if you're depressed, meaning in the sense that you're not feeling things, like your mood is depressed, you're not feeling things as, as vibrantly as you should, that one will make you feel something. Babette's Feast is such a beautiful movie about faith and community and what life is actually about. Um... Big Night, mm -hmm. I find very helpful. Again, that was a, a very similar to Babette's Feast. But these movies kind of anchor me into like what life is actually about. And then there's the, the fun ones that I, I just really enjoy that I see beauty in. Um, something like Quigley Down Under. One that I always go to is, it might be my favorite movie, is Much Ado About Nothing. Mm -hmm. the the Branagh directed just Shakespeare play yeah it just it has everything in it it's got comedy drama it's 
really gets into the human mind. It's about relationships and how to deal with one another. And it, it just, and it's just gorgeous. I mean, the music, the, the filmed in Tuscany, it just fills me up. Oh yeah. And, and it has a villain who's just, just a villain because he's, he's a villain that he says that he's, he, he is a plain honest villain because he's a bad guy. And it doesn't get any deeper than that. There's no psychology because his parents didn't, you know, feed him three square meals a day and kiss his boo-boos and nothing like that. There's no no ambiguity about this guy. This guy is evil and he wants to do everything to destroy everybody's life. Yeah, and that, that frees up the movie. We can go on a side tangent here, apparently. <laughs> yeah. that, that frees up the movie that that's not the point of the movie, but the the line of, but man is a giddy thing. At the mm -hmm. very end, and this is my conclusion mm -hmm. that Benedict says. And it's all about people misunderstanding each other, but trying to love each other, trying to get together. And But we, we see that, like the line that man is one foot in sea and one on shore to one thing constant never. It, it's kind of that Ecclesiastes, all of this passes away, vanities of vanities. It's enjoy each other's company enjoy the song and dance but it's it's not gonna last forever does yeah. that make sense yeah like, yeah and and just like the the waves on the shore they're gonna go back and forth and toss you about maybe um where do you go to find art well, I have a father who's very good at picking out movies and books and art. And but I, I see like what you're saying, like with, with art that um you go to a museum, you go yeah. online, you could talk to your friends, like what you doing to uncover these things that fill you up. So lots of conversations with my mom and dad. Um, they're amazing with that. Uh, but a lot of, uh, also I like going to museums, but sometimes it's really hard to go to a good museum and standing is very hard on my body. So some, like, that's not feasible all the time, but there are definite times where I'm like, I need to go to an art museum. It's just, I, I know now that that's part of what I need to do. But, yeah, online. Pinterest can help sometimes, sometimes not so much. YouTube I enjoy to see a bunch of creatives making things. And that can be a little bit living vicariously, but it's also just wonderful to see just those people making either, like, handmade garments or photography, um, all these different art forms. And I've also bought in the past year a lot of... Um, books of like um art shows so like collections from certain artists so that they have reproductions uh recently i got a couple um from andrew wyeth um whistler ruwalt um, van gogh i got his book of sketch sketches so that's that's an easy way for me to just take a book off the shelf and fill myself up with that and music too and that's youtube and I have CDs and Spotify. It's pretty easy to find music. Um, Perhaps too easy. Yeah. But I, I'm huge into to music and singing and figuring out songs. So, yeah, music's another really good way. 
What is it like to experience creative pain while dealing with chronic pain? There, yeah, I, I guess one heightens the other, but I, I've come to realize that I'm in more pain if I don't create. But I, I think also I've learned, like, I think a lot of times we, we say that creative pain is very much in your head, right? It's like the, the tortured mind or the, you just like, it's more mental, but it can be very physical. The, 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 it can hurt to create art. You get yourself into painful positions or just like the, the frustration, like the, all of that is connected and it's that mind body connection, right? Like you, any pain you feel physically and, and mentally, it can be discouraging to have the chronic pain and then and then have the, the struggle of art, of, of creating. Because you're like, well, I'm already set behind. Like, this is already so hard. But I try to remind myself that the process in itself is healing. That the... We, we talked earlier on the, the last pod, podcast that about growth. So I think if I just keep in mind that... Yeah, take your time with it. That don't don't rush the process. That the failures make things better. That helps, and that's very much how I look at my chronic pain and also the creative pain. That it going slow and paying attention to it, and that the failures will make you stronger eventually. Eventually. Next one, two words, cancer ward. That book changed my life. That was such a hard time in my life when I read that, but also came at a very good time in mm -hmm. my life. It, it was both. Um, I had mono for four months before I read it, and then I started reading it when we took a trip to Brazil. Mm -hmm. So I was very excited about this trip, but I, I still wasn't over it. Like mm -hmm. I, I was doing a lot better. But I wasn't over it, and it, it, it really changed my, my well, I wouldn't say it changed my life trajectory, well, it did, but, but it, yeah. it did. But like it, it put into words what I was feeling, and it just expressed something more meaningful in pain than I ever thought. That's Cancer Ward by Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Yeah, and, and just how he explores how this whole ward of people go through these trials of life. They all have cancer, but they're all coping with it in different ways. But also what really struck me was how pain is um, annihilates you. Like it, it, you're in exile when you're in pain. And that's very clearly shown in the character of Oleg, who is loosely based off of Solzhenitsyn, mm -hmm. semi-autobiographical, and that he's in exile, but he comes to this hospital, and he kind of is stuck between, does he go towards this more, what would you say, like hedonistic girl, like just the, the fun, forget your troubles, don't just live your life for fun. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And all then he's like stuck between like this good woman who's like a solid life, good citizen. But then he realizes that he is he's in exile. He's set apart and that he comes to grips with mm-hmm. his exile, that he can create beautiful things and create a beautiful life in exile. And I think that's very much the soul of the artist. And that's mm-hmm. where I think you really see souls and needs in that character of Oleg. Yeah. Yeah. Great way to end spoil the uh, ending there. But it's like, <laughs> yeah, you read it and you're like, no, at, at least on a, a storytelling level, you kind of want, you want there to be this um, completion to the story, but there isn't, which is more real. I mean, this story does complete, but it, it it's a very satisfying ending. It's just not the ending that you would write if you were writing a, a, a romance no, novel. Yeah, if you want to feel good, that's not. But for me, it's very cathartic because it's, it's true to life, and it gives yeah. good perspective. For sure. Uh, if you could change one thing about your life, what would it be? It's kind of an obscure question. It's kind of a typical question, though, too. So I'm going to put parameters on it. You're not allowed to say that you wouldn't be in pain. But also I was hoping that you would say that you wouldn't change that because of how much you learned. But that's also a pat answer. And I think you're smart enough to realize that if you could live a life without pain, you'd probably take it. So have at it with those constraints. I feel like this is a trap. Um. I, I don't know. I can I, I, I'll, say the right thing. Yeah, I'm going to try to say the right thing. And you can tell me if I get it wrong. Um, I would say the only thing, and this, this is the hard thing when you say, like, what would you do differently? Um, if you did it differently, then you wouldn't be the same person and you can't do it differently. Like, is that the, the, uh, the time travel paradox, right? Mm-hmm. I would say I wish that I had realized that I was in pain sooner. I wish that I had put into words what I was feeling like around probably between the ages of like 13 and 18 that I would do a, do a ton of things, do a ton of things, get really stressed, put a lot of pressure on myself and then I would crash. I would get sick. And when, at the time we thought it was the flu. Um, I'm not so convinced it was just the flu at this point looking back. But I I wish that I had been better at communicating with doctors and just people and just had known. Because it basically ended up me talking to people that I know were sick for a long time and asking what they did. And also, um, there's another girl in our church who has fibromyalgia. And it was through her diagnosis that I looked up the disease and I was like, whoa, this sounds like this puts a lot of things together. So I don't know. I, I wish I had been more aware and I hadn't just kept trying to Hulk smash through my life. I had actually said like, this isn't working instead of just me running, 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 crashing, running, running, crashing. I don't know. Does that, th- does that work? Yeah. I'll take that. Thank you. Yeah. Cause I, I, I want, I, I'm okay with the pain. I just wish that I hadn't yeah, wasted those years. If that makes sense. Sure thing. So what is harder, asking for help or receiving help? Um, I think asking for help is harder, but not in the way that it's, not in the, in the prideful way. Which, I mean, is definitely an aspect because a lot of, you know, your 
freedom, like whatever you, like your perceived freedom and independence is taken away from you with this and you, you need help on a daily basis. At least I do at this point. Um, but what's difficult about asking for help for me is that I don't really know what will help. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't exactly know what I need. And like, there's, there's things like I kind of have, like I live at home still and there's a lot of things that my mom and dad do. Right. And so that's kind of like everyday things like laundry they help out with and, and all that sort of things. Um, but deeper than that, it's hard for me to ask other people for, for help. Also, because I feel like I don't fit in their lives. Like my pain, and we talked about this at the very beginning of this discussion, pain doesn't really fit into our ideal world. And we just kind of try to ignore it. So I feel like I don't fit in there. And also I feel like I'm bothering people because people are always saying about, how busy they are and all the things that they're doing that when I'm not busy in the same sense, it's kind of hard for me to say, Hey, I need your help. So it is, it's kind of complicated, but I, I'm fine with receiving help. It's just sometimes hard to know where you need help and who you can ask for help. Okay. So I'm just not going to help you. Thank you. <laughs> um, so what are the hidden consequences of having chronic pain that might surprise some or most people? I don't know what people are surprised by, but what would surprise people? Uh, I don't I, I think I think I wrote this question and I don't know how to answer it. Yeah. This is terrible. Um, that must be why it's a good question. Yeah. I didn't know how to answer it. I just wrote it. Hope, hopefully I could come up with something. Uh, I think just in, in terms of chronic pain, I think there's people just think you're, you're, you're in pain, right? But there's more symptoms to that. There's the, the fatigue, there's the brain fog, there's the IBS, there's all these other symptoms that go along with it, insomnia, um, or just sleep disturbances. So it, it's not just that my joints are sore all the time, which is, is true, but there's a lot more uh, things to it. And I would, I think kind of the consequences of that is just how much time I spend going to the doctor and, you know, doing things to, to help my body. And yeah, I think that maybe the, the, the alienation I, I think that's probably getting back to the other question that you that you said. Mm -hmm. Not that it's purposeful, but people move on with their life and your life is going slower than other people's because everything that you have to do takes three times longer than for other people. If that makes sense. No, that makes total sense. And I think that kind of answers the question, how, how has your life changed since chronic pain? Is your, your life moved slower? Yeah, which is, is not necessarily a bad thing, but it does move slower. So it, it's, if people are at one stage in their life, I'm three stages behind, pretty much. Uh, You're practically an infant. <laughs> yeah, I just keep going backwards in time. I wish, I wish. Um, 
But, like, to, to also, like, answer another part of that, like, how has your life changed? I've gotten back to my roots. No. I've gotten back to things that uh, truly bring me joy. Like, I've really been on a, a discovery train. <laughs> I don't know. Choo-choo. <laughs> Choo-choo. Here comes the discovery train. Um... Uh, that things. sounds like a Nickelodeon show or something. It should. Maybe we should produce that. I'll just write the, write that new show. Uh, but I've really been on going back to things that I, I really enjoy. And that's a lot of what we're doing in Ducks Never Waver is getting back to that. Um, I love stories. I love going outside and discovering all the, the magic that plants hold. Uh, I love textiles and working with textiles. Uh, just a lot of those things, like a lot of those things that we're exploring with Ducks Never Waver um, is because I've, I've been digging deeper on, on the things that truly bring me joy. So that's how my life has changed from pain. I've really had to sit and think about those things. We would not be having this podcast if it weren't for it. That's, in, yeah, that's yeah. 100% true. Last question. Pen or pencil? Thought I'd throw in one silly question in there. Oh, I love that question. Uh, for writing or for drawing? Either one. Okay, so for writing, pen. I, I gotta say pen. And I, I like the ones that have like a lot of ink. Like the juicy. The juicy, very inky ones that I can just like whoop. I I can't read my own writing, but it's a lot of fun. <laughs> It's just a lot of fun to write down very quickly. I and it's no it's no work. It's it's yeah. So definitely pen for writing. And then for drawing, probably pencil because I still I'm a little shaky. I, I still have a little bit of anxiety about committing. I love my eraser. Helps me out a lot. So I would I would say both, but I don't know. I, I can make do with pen. No, I, I can draw in pen. So you are a balanced approach to, to the permanence, but also the, uh, the fluidity of life. Indeed. And that you need different tools for different tasks. <laughs> Coming at you hot. All right. So where can... People go to find out more about what we're doing here at Ducks Never Waver. You can go to Instagram and Facebook. You can find our store on Etsy. It's all under the handle Ducks Never Waver. Um, and we'll be talking more about chronic pain there and making and art and books and movies, all that good stuff. And you can, yeah, you can check us out there. That's right. We got a lot of cool stuff on the shop. We got silk scarves we got crocheted scarves crocheted hats got macrame custom macrame not custom to you you selfish little person custom to the natural art of the foundation of the stick (laughs) in other words inspired by the natural beauty around us there you go that's more clear I think that when it comes to art, the more um, dynamic approach you can have to describing it, I, we'll go with dynamic, the better it is. And I, I think that really 
what you have been able to produce in terms of macrame is is both inspiring and uplifting um it is both um effervescent and, and bubbly yes and it's it's confused like i am <laughs> But but not a but not a confused mess. No, it's confused in a very meaningful way. Very meaningful. And with that, we'll we'll leave you to it, folks. Thank you for listening. Stay quacky. <laughs>